All right, here we go. Good morning, everybody, and welcome. If I happen to miss you earlier, my name is Wayne. I'm the pastor here at Downtown Community, and today is our series finale of When. And we have been talking about how it's easy for us maybe to think from the outside and from the inside that Christ and his followers and being a Christ follower or a Christian is not really about winning because Jesus said things like, the last shall be first. And the first shall be last. And what does that mean? And, and we, we have phrases like submit to one another and all these things that really don't sound like winning. But it is the opposite of why Christ came. And so he, he didn't give his life for us to settle for our life. He came for us to win. And there is a battle that is going on in your heart. And he came and fought that battle uh, and, 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 was, and was crucified and resurrected. And his resurrection shows that he has victory over death. And that means so many things for us. And those, and those we have confidence that he is God, that he exists, and that he is pursuing us. And that same victory and the passion that he pursued for his death and resurrection, he is sitting at the right hand of the Father pursuing you today and for you to have that victory. And we've been talking about there are things in your life that you long to see change. And that's where Christ wants to lean in with you. But his way of victory doesn't always look like you think it would. And so we've been looking at what God has given us and the principles that we have to follow him and trust in him. And so today we're going to pull this all together. And so we've been uh, looking at Ephesians 6, and Paul was addressing this, these new churches. This was written just, just like 20 years or so after Christ's resurrection, and these churches were starting everywhere. It's one of the reasons why we know that Christ is real, that he lived, that he was here. We have incredible evidence that we stand upon, and we have these early letters that proclaim the truth of Christ. And Paul has been writing to this church in Ephesus in the Greco-Roman world, and at the end of this letter, here's what he says. In Ephesians 6, he says, A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. He's talking about how we're in an actual battle and there is one called the devil. And I talked about that last week. Under the funny reference of the devil wears Prada, and some of you are like, that's my boss, right? But there is an actual one, and we, if we believe in Christ, we do believe in the, in the that's a part of the story that we believe, that he is waging war against us, and we have sin in our own hearts, and there's something going on inside of us. And so he says, we, he continues, says, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. So the enemy is not each other, and that's what we want to think. He says, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And he says, I want you to stand firm. It's a position of victory that we've been given the hill and we are holding this hill that Christ has won for you. But he doesn't just call us to stand firm. He gives us tools. He begins to walk us through how we engage this battle. And we call this the armor of God. And so Paul continues, he says, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of e evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground. Putting on, and here's what God has given us, the belt of truth 
the body armor of God's righteousness, for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news, which is Christ coming for us so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And so we have been walking through every week these pieces of Christ that we have been putting on, His righteousness, not our own. How can we get up when we screw up and when we fail? It's because we have learned to stand upon His righteousness. As Christ followers, we get who He is in place of who we are. And it's this beautiful truth of what we call the good news. The belt of truth. We've been learning to stand upon God's truth, not our own. And that's not easy in the world that says, do whatever you feel like. And we care about justice in our world, but that means there needs to be a truth. And that creates confusion. And it's why we need a God who loves and cares about justice, because it means that there is something true. And that's not always easy to hear, but it is the most beautiful thing that we can pursue. And we're learning to put on His truth, His righteousness, not our own. And then peace that comes from knowing that we are secure in Christ. In our shoes, it gives us traction. I talked about salvation as a helmet, knowing that, that He has secured us for eternity, that we are made to be eternal, means that death no longer has power over us. Death doesn't win. Christ defeated death. So even in, in death, because we all will face death, even in death, Death serves us. We win. And that's the good news. And then he says, in addition to these, he talks about this helmet of salvation, but he also says two other things. And so he's saying, in addition to these, because the previous ones are the character traits of Christ. And this is what God has given us from the beginning. If we go back to the Old Testament scriptures, in Isaiah, he, he says this, he says, He put on righteousness as his body armor and placed the helmet of salvation on his head. In another place, in Isaiah, it says, He will, will, right, will wear righteousness, <laughs> that's hard to say, like a belt and truth like an undergarment. His righteousness, his truth. Salvation is the characteristics of Christ that he has given us. But in addition to these, he says, take up the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith. These are then the tools that we live out to pursue Him. And so we have both of the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. And so we want to look at these final two today. As we take on Christ's character, when you pursue Him, these two are very important. Important. So the shield of faith, we'll start with that one. How do you defend or deflect or block or hinder lies that you tell yourself or lies of the enemy? It's through faith. We are trusting upon the truth. So we talked about how Christ becomes the truth in our lives and we're learning to trust that. But eventually that means that you Trust that truth, what you hear, and you take steps of faith in believing Him. And maybe it'll be an instance where you, you know, it's not what culture is saying around you, it's what He is saying, and, there, and you find a place where you're at odds, like you're learning to trust His love, trust His goodness, and follow and take steps of faith. Faith is really about action. It's not a belief. 
Belief is knowing who God is. We trust Him, but faith is the action that we take based on our belief. Action. Now, this is something that we get and understand, but maybe you haven't really thought about this, but this is all, all throughout our life. And for, in college, if you know my story a little bit, I have a music degree. <laughs> and so I started out pursuing music, and I was trying to learn jazz, and Andrew, our guitar player, is way better than me but on jazz stuff, but uh, they were trying to teach me these things, and they handed me something, and they, said, they were like, you need to get the fake book. And I was like, the fake book? And it was just a book that was compiled over years and years of a bunch of jazz standards. And it was actually hard for me to find at first because the actual name of the book was The Real Book. It's called The Real Book, but it's called The Fake Book. And I'm like, wow. And it was so confused in the beginning. It became known as The Fake Book. And the, the joke around jazz musicians is like, yeah, you've got The Real Book, but it's, you're just kind of faking it. You're just kind of figuring it out. And what it is is they're just playing they have what's given to them as the original melody line, whatever it is, and then they make it up as they go along. And so over time, that's what they called it. But they just, they just begin to play. And how do you learn to do solos? How do you learn to play different things? Well, you just, you just do it. It takes the action. You can learn to read music without actually ever playing it. But that's not playing music. I was trying to learn how to write songs, and a friend of mine was a songwriter, and he was interested. And he was like, hey, uh, you want to write songs with me? And what took me, like, I had never really done that with anybody, and it kind of freaked me out. But what helped me take that step was, uh, like a month or so earlier, I had friends who were in, in the college that I went to. There's a recording studio, and if you, you had to be in the major of that area to be able to use the recording studios. And so friends of mine were, and they were like, hey... Do you want to just be with us in the recording studio and do stuff? And my, the immediate thing in my heart was, I don't know how to do that. And so I actually said, no, I had never been in a recording studio. Well, you know how the people who were in the recording studio learn how to do that? They did it one time. At some point, it's everybody's first time doing something. And so until you take that step, you don't know how to do it. And so I remember as, as time went on, I really regretted that because that friend stopped asking me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. And so that was my end. And, and I had that reaction. And so this other guy asked me, and I'm thinking, I don't know how to write songs with other people. And so I was like, okay, you just do it. And so I stepped in with him, and I, he was like, do you have anything? I was like, well, I've, I have this one thing I've thought of, and I was trying to rewrite this thing, and so I played it for him. He was like, okay, great. And then he immediately started riffing something new, and I was offended because <laughs> he took what I had and started doing something that was different, and I had kind of ownership of that. And there was an emotion involved with that that I didn't like. It was funny, over time, I started playing, and I was like, actually, it's pretty good. Funny enough, he eventually got a recording contract and recorded music. He was actually really good at it. But it was different than saying, yeah, I could probably do that. But then to be in the moment and take the action step is different. I'm acting on the desire to do this, and that's when I actually learn. When you go to the doctor, when you need a procedure done, what do you ask? What do you want to know? You go to the reviews, you look up on Google, and you, you, you figure out what kind of degree does this doctor have. 
How much knowledge? How good was he at school? What great? Did, do you ever do that? Some of you are like, I would really love to know that, actually, because like, can we do that? Like, no, you want to know how good are, is this doctor? Like, and so last summer, a year, almost a year ago, I had to have shoulder surgery, and my son was going to an orthopedic doctor for an ankle issue, and so we asked him, we were like, hey, these are orthopedic people, and so they, they know other people that are good, and so we asked them, who do you know that is a great shoulder doctor? And guess what? He had had shoulder surgery. And for an orthopedic doctor who he himself performed things, he was like, here's who you should use. This guy, what does he say after that? This guy has this degree, went to the university, graduated top of the class. He said nothing like that. No. What he said was, he is the guy, if you want shoulder work done, he's the one that does a great job. That's what I wanted to hear. The actions of what this person has done in practice. The funny thing was that he said he has terrible bedside manner, but he knows how to do shoulders. And that's the best recommendation that I could have, except for the bedside manner. And he was 100% correct on that. And that was super annoying. I would have, I would have taken a little bit more of that uh, off of the, uh, the surgery. But, but that's what you want. You want to know. It's not how much do you know. It's what experience do you have? Like this guy, you just, the last thing you want in a shoulder situation is like, yeah, um, I did it once. I was trained on ankles. It's about the same. I was really good. I was at the top Ivy League school for ankle surgery. So I'm pretty smart. No, I want someone who's done it. Action is taking the step from knowledge to being real. And this is how God leads us. And in fact, when Christ came, here's Christ, part of the Trinity, part of God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. He comes down to us, and He Himself does the same thing. Listen to these words of Jesus found in John 4, 31. He says, meanwhile, it says here, meanwhile, His disciples urged Him, Rabbi, teacher, eat something. They've been just going out, teaching, and doing all these things all day. And his response is funny. He said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. <laughs> and so they're like, this culture is very literal at the time. And so the disciples are like, could he have, someone had brought him some food? They're like, how did this happen? And start talking. And Jesus, knowing this, says, my food. Basically what he's saying is, what actually sustains me is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? He says, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. So Jesus is taking this food conversation into the most meaningful conversation of life. And he was saying, I've come to take action and do what the Father, God the Father, has sent me to do. He's like, well, if you're farmers, you say, hey, I've got four months. You're, you're counting things out. And in the harvest, he's like, I want you to know it's here. It's here. And so there is a scriptural idea. What God has given us, what we maybe call the biblical idea of growth. What is that? Well, we have this idea 
that's usually centered around knowledge, what you know. So you have this idea, or I have this idea based, growth is based on what we receive. And we love this. Like, we're pretty academic here. Some of you have several degrees, and, and, you, and you're smart, and you can consume a lot of knowledge. And in, in New York, we push that constantly of what you can, what you can, we can receive and put out. And so we say that I'm going to grow by what I know about God. And there are Christians who love to show and show off how much they know. But that, ironically enough, is, is not biblical growth. So if they are to read the scriptures and what God has shown us in his own action steps, it's actually the opposite. of So their knowledge should show them that that's not growth. That's knowledge. It becomes when we take a step of faith, when we become Christ followers, we learn by faith. The first step of faith that God asks us to do after we become Christ followers is the step of baptism. And it can seem kind of strange where we go underwater and back up, and it's a picture of what Christ has done for us, his death, his resurrection, and how we have been washed clean. We have been forgiven and Christ has given that to us as a first step of obedience because our life as of following him is learning to trust and obey. Biblical idea of growth is when you grow through steps from following God. Jesus said it. He goes, what sustains me is following my Father, doing what he's asked me to do. And so you grow, number one, by taking steps of Faith. It's one thing to know what God wants you to do. It's another to actually do it. This will hold some of you back because you're waiting to grow. You're waiting to get it all right. I've was, I'm in the position I am now of, of being a, a, a lead pastor from being thrown in the fire way too early. <laughs> It caused me to depend upon Christ. People have put me in positions in the past that I didn't feel like I was ready for. But I was trusting Christ and he was leading me. But it's not just about Jesus' teaching. It was how he led his people. So he was constantly calling them to take steps that they weren't ready for. And, they, and here's the thing, they didn't understand this is hard for you and me because we want to know all the things. And depending on your personality, some of you really want to know, like, get it all laid out. And so when he, like, one of the stories is where Jesus, um, where he, one of the miracles he performed was he fed, you know, five to 15,000 people. And so when it came time, like, they realized they had been away from the city, and this is an era with no refrigeration or anything like this, and so... You know, they were away from the city and they were like, we need to eat. And these people are going to like start passing out. And Jesus has been teaching for a long time. And there's huge crowds that were following Christ to listen to his words. And so Jesus was like, you feed them. They came to him and said, hey, we got a problem. Like we need to like send people away to go home so they don't die. Or like, you know, they need to eat. And so he's like, well, you feed them. And they're like, well, that, that's not going to happen. That'll ne-. Like, they're like, there's no way to do that. And so... Jesus says, uh, well, what do you have? Go, go search the people. Maybe you've heard this story. And this, is, this is what happened. And they came back with like a little bit of bread 
and a little bit of fish. And they're like, we have a few things here. Like tens of, like it says 5,000, it was 5,000 men. In that era at the time, they just counted the men. So it would have been women and children along with that. He doesn't explain anything. He just says, start handing it out. Just do it. And I'm sure they had a million questions, and they, they started handing out. He's, he's saying, trust me, take the step, and do it. They would have never experienced the moment of seeing that miracle. They came back with like 12 extra baskets of food. If they had waited to try to understand it, as a pastor, this is similar for me where I, I encourage people to do something, and it's kind of like saying, hey, you sh- you're, you're dehydrated. You should drink some water. Well, that seems logical. Somebody's like, well, what is water, actually? Can you explain it to me? Just, just drink the water. Well, you know, what is it made of? And I don't know. That looks kind of weird. It's kind of clear. Like, I, you know, like, like, you just start asking questions. Like, no, you you. This is what you need. You drink the water. We learn to trust the simple steps. And this is the only way that God really works in your life. We're learning to depend upon Him. And that's hard for us. Faith isn't something that you feel something is true. It's acting like something's true. We want to get it right. We want to feel like it's okay. But that'll never happen. If God's word is true, then you can trust him and you take steps. That is the shield of faith. What's going to protect you is acting in faith and allowing God's truth to lead and direct your life. It's easy to be a target sitting still. If you're moving... That's how, that's how they train the military. It's funny, like I was watching some random YouTube video and it was critiquing movies and how they get things right. Do you ever watch those? And one of them was like a, a, a person in the military movie was just standing in one spot taking out like a thousand people, you know, like several people in a row. And the guy was like, this is stupid. He's like, the very first thing they do is move because they're a moving target. He says, that's the first thing they always train you. It's easy if you're standing still. You know what to look for. Faith is moving in action. And it's a way that God protects us is to trust Him by taking steps. To which usually that leads to this response of, I don't know what to do. And we, the Christians are known for this and those who are pursuing God. What does God want me to do? God, what is it in my life? And we have that spot where I'm not sure. And we like to be moving and we like to have this answer. And what do you do? You start with what you know. So here we're going to walk through this, and I'm going to do letters now. So you do what you know. Letter A, do what you know. For all you note-takers, you love this message. Do what you know. We spend many, lots of times wondering what God has not made clear to us, and we live in that. I love to do that. Oh, I'm not sure about this. You know, like a, and little on what you actually know. And sometimes we don't get an, an answer, whatever that may be. But some of that is because we're not actually spending time pursuing Him. We're just wondering. 
So what do you know? There's a lot that he's made clear to us and things that you can do. And sometimes you might not get a quote-unquote answer for something for a long time. But you know, if, you, if you're part of our church family, you'll hear these things. That you need to be in community. The very first message of this wind series was that you can't do this alone. You were not made to be a loner. God made you to be with others and to be in the community. So you can do that. You serve the body. God has made us to serve one another. You can be part of a serving team. You can, you can be part of uh, the sharing place. We do that. Well, that's going to happen in two Thursdays where we serve and you get to know one another. We have serving teams on Sunday. You, you, if you're a musician or you, you know, you, someone, you can be part of the kids team. You love to be behind the scenes. You can be on hospitality. You can do simple service with us during the week. We serve one another. We love the city and we love one another. You can get to know your coworker. You can throw a party to get to know your neighbors. There are things that we can do to follow God with the city that we live in. Sometimes God has put you somewhere just to be part of his family and to love the city. It's amazing what will happen when you begin to, to take steps that you know that you can do. And God he loves to live in those things. And then that puts us in a relationship with one another and helps us take the next step is we learn to follow. Faith is about following. And so there's one that's obvious, we follow God, okay? So you follow God, but he puts others in our lives to follow the leaders in your life. So two things there, God and the leaders in your life. If you're part of a church family, you will, be, you will have those that are around you, leaders that are with you. And if you engage long enough, there'll be a step of faith. This is the example Jesus showed us. He says, I do what God has shown me to do. I follow, and then we follow him and follow others. This is his instructions to us. Jesus shows us in Matthew 28. So Jesus, this is before he ascended into heaven. He had just resurrected. He says, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He says, Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey. Everything I've commanded you. Part of our Christian faith is to teach one another. We learn to follow people he's put in our lives. And this is all throughout the early church, the early churches, the early followers of Christ. In the letter to the Colossians, Paul wrote in Colossians 3.16, it says, Let the message of Christ dwell, dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another. We teach and correct and lead one another through wisdom, through singing psalms, hymns, singing to God with gratitude in your heart, in your hearts. But Jesus was the first example of this. John 8, 28, 29, Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, that's his phrase talking about himself, he says, Then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own. But speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Jesus did the same thing. If he does that, how much more do we need to? By the way, the same goes for me. 
as your pastor, I follow. Those who put me in the position when we first started the church, it was a journey of years of following, learning to be obedient to the leaders in my life. But becoming what we call a lead pastor, starting a church, doesn't change that at all. I am constantly surrounded, in fact, it's even more so by those who speak into my life that will tell me what I don't want to hear, which is actually what I need to hear, and I've learned to actually want to hear that. <laughs> but I engage God, too. This is a habit that's important. And that leads us, stepping out of faith, leads us then to the next thing, which, which Paul gave, shows us, is the sword of the Spirit. All these analogies, and he says in the Scriptures, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So this is where we allow the truth to begin to impact our life. Part of faith is allowing truth to impact us. And so we need God to speak into our lives, and we need others. And so here at DCC, the basis for all of that is the Scripture that God has given to us. His words to us. We cannot grow without that impacting us. And until we have that belt of truth, the position where we say, your will be done, that truth will never actually penetrate us. It will just be about what I know. But this is how God has led us. And so faith, this is number, letter C, faith is allowing truth to discipline you. Yeah, I just said the word discipline. This is actual growth. And this is where the beauty begins to take hold. But we're encouraged to do this in Scripture. Hebrews 12 says, In your struggle against sin, our brokenness, the things that leads us to death, he says, You have not yet resisted in the point of shedding your blood. It's like you're still alive. He says, Have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement? This is encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his sons. It says, My son, this is referring to Old Testament scriptures, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. We are part of God's family, and if he loves us, a good parent loves their child through discipline, not punishment. It's different. Discipline is about who you are becoming. And we won't read the rest of this because it's a lot of scripture, but it talks about discipline is painful, but it produces a harvest of righteousness. There is fruit of joy that God wants to lead you to. Without this, we don't have to show the scripture anymore. Yeah, that's great. Without this, it only becomes about what you want to hear. It will only be about you. And that doesn't actually make you happy. Parents, just try to make your kids happy. Only do what they want to hear. Does that make them happy? That doesn't actually, it's not what leads you towards what's best for you. God is about putting your well-being ahead of your happiness, ahead of your urgent desires and wants. We're learning to trust His goodness. That means that you put people in your life and you allow them to speak into it. At some point, if you step into community of being known, the bad parts of yourself and the struggles you have, 
get exposed. And it's that very moment that we want to pull back and to hide and to run away. But don't do it. Have faith. Those are the moments of faith where we say, I don't want to do this, but God, help me in this, this moment. Help me to trust those that are in my life. Let them speak into you, your life, with the wisdom that God has giving them, given them. It's the very moment of finding freedom and joy and growth and deep relationships, the very things that you are longing to experience. Don't be afraid of being known. And so let me recap real quick. Faith. Faith is how you grow. What do you do? I don't know what to do. I don't know what God's doing in my life. But do what you know. Trust Him. Step into the story. It's not until you do that that He will work. Read the Gospel of John and just read it through this lens of what Jesus did in people's lives. He asked them to take steps. Peter stepped off a boat, almost drowned, trying to walk on water. That actually happened. He took a step of faith. Jesus didn't kick him out. He said, hey, let's do this again. Like he kept going. Do what you know. Follow what is in front of you. Follow those who God has put in your life. If you can't follow the leaders in this church or me, find a place where you can. It's about learning. Like It doesn't have to be me. But someplace, sometime, and you might just keep going church to church until you learn this discipline. Because this is how God works with one another. In our brokenness, I'm not perfect. That's how God uses one another. And then, allow the truth to speak. Reading Scripture. Now, why do we do this? Why do we do this? That leads us to number three. There was a number two, I promise. There's letters. I don't know, maybe I skipped two. No two. We're just going to three. (laughs) See, the software. This is a software problem, not me. I didn't do anything. Number two and three. When you say, it's so powerful, it's two together. When you say yes, God's word comes alive in your life. You can watch a video about bungee jumping. It feels exciting. It's when you take that step. Oh, that's what, wow, that's why they scream. You know. It's the best way to live. We live in a world where we just trying to, the answer is making ourselves happy, and it's just, it doesn't work. Does this mean that God doesn't want you to be happy? No, it's the opposite. It's upside down. We don't, think this is what it means to win. Ephesians 6 says, In addition to all these, put up the hold of the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil, put on salvation as your helmet, and take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Psalm 1611 says, You have made you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Psalm 1611, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Do you believe this? Listen to Jesus' words. John 15 says, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, 
Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love, I have told you this so that you will be miserable and have to move to a different country and give up. No, no, no. I always said this so that your joy may be complete. Love one another as I have loved you. You need Him. That's why we're learning to read His Scriptures. How do you do that? Take a step. Read the Gospel of John and look at Jesus' words. It's a great place to start. Or read Ephesians like we've been talking about in this series. Being in a dinner group, when we launched dinner groups this fall, puts you into community to be with others, to help you take steps towards Him. Do what you know. Do you believe that God wants to experience winning and pursue Him? How do, you, how do you forgive one another? You forgive because God has forgiven you. It's when you forgive someone, you begin to experience God's forgiveness. That's His design. You suddenly realize that's hard. And you realize how much, how incredible God's love is because you see what His forgiveness is like when you extend it to someone else. How do you love someone that's hard to love? Well, Jesus loved us. We've tried to crucify him. He loved us anyway. It's an it's a upside-down kingdom. But it's how we win. Engage Christ. Pursue him. Take steps of faith. You can experience this in your life. This week, DCC, as we come out of this series, how can you take time to think about these principles? What is something that you want... Christ to impact in your life, begin to go to Him. Put others around you in community and take steps of faith. Let's do this this summer, this fall, so that we can win. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for the words You've given us. You didn't just leave us here wondering what we should do. But we can know. I pray today for those that feel lost. I pray that they would trust you, take steps of faith. Wherever we are in our journey. God, sometimes your truth is not what we want to hear and what culture around us wants to hear. I pray that we would trust your goodness and your love and experience your glory in our lives, your peace, and the joy of living life this way. Thank you and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome.